0: Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio, another true story from True Story FM. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. everyone, And welcome back to the final episode of Cause Talk Radio for 2020, the year of our Lord. We are not sad to see you go 2020. I am very excited, however, to be joined for this final episode by the fabulous Allie Murphy. Hi, Allie. Hello. You know, I've also heard you call uh,
1: 2020 the dumpster fire year, so we might as yes, well throw that in both. there.
0: dumpster fire year the year of our lord 2020 Latia curry said that one time and i just i that just stuck with me and i literally cannot stop laughing every time i think of her saying it so thank you for Latia for that moment of levity well are you excited for the end of the new year i am no that's not the right no i didn't even said it wrong i'm so focused on the new year that i said the end End, of the year well i figured you meant meant the end of the the year are you excited for the end of 2020
1: yes Yes, I'm excited for the Are you excited
0: for the new year?
1: (laughs) My words aren't working either. Yes. (laughs) Normally, it would be celebrations with lots of people, but we all know this year's looking a little different. What are you doing? I don't know. I mean, I'll hang out with my husband. We might have a backyard, socially distanced fire pit something, but I have a sparkly shirt oh, and I will be wearing that. That is the only thing that solidified. That
0: sounds lovely. So we have this tradition actually with the producer of this show, oh. uh, who are good friends of ours. Um, we typically have this, it's it's a very long-standing tradition, like probably pretty close to 20 years that we go to the seafood place every year for New Year's. Hmm. Well, we cannot do that and like spend way too much money on ridiculous piles of crab, but, but yum. we can't do that this year. I know it's amazing. We can't do that this year for obvious reasons, but... We just found out that we are going to be doing a sushi-making class with them over Zoom oh, on yes. the 31st. How fun is that? I've always wanted to learn how to make sushi. It's a so blast. We excited. do
1: it at least probably 7 to 12 times a year.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I we're going to have to compare sushi-making notes because I'm very, very excited. So, okay. anyway, lots to be excited for for the new year. And I am excited about our guest today. It was fantastic. You who is fantastic. Her name is Debbie Thomas. She's the Global Head of Communications Research and Insight at Salesforce.org. And she has, I think she's going to have some really interesting predictions for us for 2021. So I'm excited to chat with her. So shall we bring her on and do that? Absolutely. Let's get started. Well, hello, Debbie Thomas, and welcome to Costock Radio.
2: Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. Is it possible that you haven't been on the podcast before? You know, I think you're absolutely right. I've never been on a podcast before.
0: Well, I meant this podcast. Well, this that's crazy. I feel like theres I've known you for
2: 10 years. How is that possible? <laughs> How is it possible? I have actually never been on your podcast, and that's I've actually crazy. never been on any podcast. <gasps> before, wow. So. Well, welcome to the podcast uh,
0: world and to Cause Talk Radio. It's so awesome to have you here, and we definitely should have done this sooner. But so much to talk about today. I'm so excited to have you here. So just to give a little teeny bit of background for people that have been living under a rock and are not quite aware of what Salesforce.org org is and does. Could you just give us a very quick 50 cent tour of your mission and what you work on there, Debbie?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Salesforce.org is a uh, very important social impact unit within Salesforce. And what we focus uh, on is helping nonprofits, educational institutions, and philanthropic organizations have access to the same technology that Fortune 500 businesses do. And that technology is really meant uh, to help them run their missions, run their schools, run their nonprofits uh, in the best way they possibly can whether that's connecting with more people, whether that's uh, bringing in new donors, or whether that's just having a way to keep track of the uh, millions of little uh, pieces of knowledge that we need to keep track of to be able to run these organizations. Um, That's what the technology is meant to do. So we work with the nonprofit cloud. Education Cloud, and Philanthropy Cloud, uh, three unique purpose-built technology solutions to help over 49,000 nonprofits and educational institutions uh, do their work. Yeah.
1: That's a lot of impact. I can't believe you haven't been on a podcast before. (laughs) So (laughs) I know. One major inspiration to many of us in 2020, and I think a lot of our listeners too, was just how creatively organizations pivoted to the point that we actually wrote a whole white paper about, quote, purposeful pivots. Can you share what pivots you saw in your own work at Salesforce.org that inspired you in 2020?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think Probably one of the most intriguing pieces of what we saw come out of our 49,000 uh, community that I, that I talked to you about, particularly in the nonprofit education space, we saw a lot of add-on services. So we were looking at mm. nonprofits and educational institutions who traditionally might really focus on just one issue, right? So a nonprofit that was focused on food security, for example, would start looking at other services where they could help communities that really needed help at this point in time. We would see things like after-school programs that would actually turn into um, meal programs or maybe even turn into places where kids could bring their uh, technology and attend virtual school. So this is sort of the, the biggest pivot that we saw among our community and I know for Salesforce.org, being behind the scenes supporting that community, it meant we had to pivot too. That was really important. Making sure that uh, our uh, customers or our our technology that was there to help the customers was doing everything that it could to, to be there for them. And that included you know, helping them boost uh, fundraising uh, in, in new digital ways, helping them reach new audiences, whether that's through mar- new marketing programs or you know just taking a, a new look at the ways that they could engage with people through volunteering because now everything's virtual. So that is probably the biggest pivot I would say we had to look at. But I also think it's important for us internally to sort of take a look at, at salesforce.org and, um, you know, some of the decisions that we had to make. And it really came down to, you know, that first few months in March, um, taking a moment and saying, okay, here's where we are, right? We all need to understand uh, what we need to do to get to that next step, which is building the resilience so that we can actually make it through. And that might be something as simple as helping your uh, employees go virtual, right? Helping them stay connected but also keeping track of things like making sure we're not sitting in front of a screen for 12 hours a day. And we knew that all of those little steps that we were going through to build resilience, our community was doing the same. And in a lot of ways, they weren't taking care of themselves because they were so busy taking care of everyone else. So how did we then take a look at uh, that ultra layer of resilience, that second layer of resilience that needed to be built in order to support these communities. And then I look at things like communications and what we really did, and this is important to me coming from the communication space, you know, we gave up a lot of our channels to help our community voices. We took a look at what was happening in the world and we said, well, the most important pieces of, of how our community is responding to this um, is that this, this, these stories get out there that people understand what to do uh, when the WHO has new guidelines out there, or that people understand how uh, organizations like Direct Relief or Catholic Relief Services are um, changing and pivoting how they are uh, supporting communities through COVID-19. So the more stories we could get out there about how nonprofits or how educational institutions uh, were were changing the way they were operating, the more we were helping others because we were sharing best Practices And everyone was out there kind of trying to understand what do I do? Because guess what? This is my first pandemic. It's probably yours too. And it certainly is for those 49,000 uh, members of our community.
0: So interesting. And it's, I mean, you've brought up a ton of really interesting points, Debbie, but um, I wonder, having access to 49,000 nonprofit organizations is a tremendous place to be sitting, I wonder if you can speculate a little bit on trends that you're seeing now that you think are going to carry through into the new year. I mean, you've talked about resilience. You've talked about communications. Like, Just from where you sit, what do you think we're going to be seeing in 2021? I mean, so many of these nonprofit organizations are really hurting. And, you know, I I personally don't think the other shoe has dropped yet in terms of how many of these will be ultimately impacted. Um, But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, since you have a very unique perspective. I'm sure you know all of those organizations personally, too. So,
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know, What we saw in July when we first looked at the data was that more than half of U.S.-based nonprofits really expected to see a drop in revenue in 2020 and probably beyond, and I think that beyond is certainly true. And when we looked specifically at our community, we saw that 62% of nonprofits and schools were seeing a decline in funding this year, and this is funding that was coming from the same sources that they traditionally get funding from, right? And those, those numbers came around August. But we also saw that as the world changed seemingly overnight for all of us, 58% of those schools and nonprofits really had to change themselves. So they took that on. They took on adding new services in response while facing budget cuts and often even restricted a movement for their staff, right? Because you're looking at a virtual work from home environment. So when I talked about, you know, school programs becoming meal deliveries or educational institutions taking on food security, um, it it really was the new norm, right? And so people really figuring out how do I help these communities thrive? We also saw that volunteering was reimagined. Now, the overall numbers for volunteering have gone down in terms of hours and time. But people still figured out that there were ways to virtually support uh, through virtual volunteering efforts. And we can get into that a little bit. But I think those are some of the biggest trends that we saw is that uh, with with a decline in funding, but a pivoting of services, um, a a way to sort of, you know, build resilience within the community through new ways of volunteering and overall just a a way of, of figuring out how everyone could bring their best to the table.
0: Now, are those numbers that you just cited, Debbie, is that something you published that we can link to in the show notes?
2: Absolutely. The Nonprofit Trends Report and the Higher Education Trends Report were both published in the last couple of months.
1: Virtual volunteering might be one of these, but kind of the same question that Megan asked you. What about from corporate philanthropy in the tech sector, even just at Salesforce, what trends are you seeing now that you think will have... Staying power in 2021, maybe even beyond that.
2: We're we're actually taking a look at this pretty seriously at Salesforce.org and interested in seeing how corporate philanthropy specifically could change. And this is not just Salesforce philanthropy. We're really looking across the sector. And what we're seeing is that fewer people are giving, but we are seeing fewer people give more money. Let's take a look at Giving Tuesday, for example. Giving Tuesday as a movement is growing, right? $2.47 billion was given in the U.S. alone on December 1st this year. And I don't know if you remember back in May, there was a special moment called Giving Tuesday Now. Mm -hmm. That was $503 million given on May 5th in response to COVID specifically. So what we're really seeing is fewer people giving more. Let's take an example of Mackenzie Scott. She's in the news right now. Everyone's talking about her. So not only do we have fewer people giving more like Mackenzie Scott, but we have different types of giving. This giving is more equitable in nature, right? You're really seeing smaller nonprofits, often women in black lead that are getting, um, you know, attention for the first time from grant makers and philanthropists. You're seeing giving with no strings attached, right? This is unrestricted. You know, this is at a time when our communities are really just trying to keep their lights on, their doors open. So unrestricted giving is on the rise. And that's a really good thing. The other thing you're seeing with corporate philanthropy is just a different way of measuring social outcomes, right? I think people are being far more strategic about the way they're looking at their relationship with the community. Communities that they serve. So we know that the percentage of companies measuring social outcomes of their programs has actually increased. That's up to 94% now, um, which is very different from some of the numbers we saw even five years ago. And we're also seeing that while volunteer hours may not be the same as they were before, we're seeing a rise in pro bono services. So all of a sudden, you might look at non-cash giving and pro bono services, which increased to about 25% of total volunteer hours in 2019 and 2020. And the tech industry, of course, is the highest percentage of that, um, where they're really seeing pro bono services as part of their total community investment and I know coming from salesforce.org, that is a significant part of how we give back to our communities is to make sure that if you've got communities that are looking at new ways to digitize, digitize new ways to bring technology into their mix so to support them and to help them survive and thrive, uh, we've got the salesforce.org employees who are sitting there ready to do that. And then finally, I think for corporate philanthropy, what we're seeing is just a lot more cross-sector collaboration. We're seeing these kind of trifecta partnerships that bring together organizations that may previously sort of have been seen as competitors, but are coming together uh, for the first time uh, to, to solve a problem, with the problem really being the commonality between them. So I think that's that's been really interesting to watch.
0: Those are such great trends, and so many of them are so positive. I mean, when you're talking about unrestricted money, that's kind of the holy grail for nonprofit fundraisers and corporate development people. They're like, please just don't put any strings to it. So that's a fantastic trend that you're seeing. But I want to ask, I mean, then the other trend that you followed that with was that, um, companies are doing more strategic measurement, which kind of seems like those two go in opposite directions. Like if you're trying to measure impact, but then you say, yes, you can use it for unrestricted things. Like how do you how do those two square in your mind, Debbie?
2: Yeah, I think one of the most interesting ways that we're looking at measurement, and you'll see this through Philanthropy Cloud, which is one of our most important pieces of technology, is that you can measure outcomes uh, that you as an organization are making or that the communities that you um, cont- that you invest in are making towards the sustainable development goals. And that is looking at a broader group of um, uh, Uh, requirements that are set uh, through uh, civil society, through the United Nations. And this group of 17 sustainable development goals really help us understand how uh, communities can collectively move the needle. And a lot of the time, restricted giving isn't the answer to that. It's actually helping communities who do the work on the ground continue to build, uh, you know, more quality uh, places where quality education can get to everyone, more equitable distribution of uh, things like vaccines or things like, um, uh, you know, uh, access to STEM education. So a lot of the missions that are driving these nonprofits uh, are getting a boost through unrestricted funding and that unrestricted funding in turn can really help drive some of these collective goals we're all looking at at the the world at large. So I think the measurement piece, as long as those outcomes are really focused, um, not on outputs, like how much we gave, but much more on what much more on what the communities are achieving because of it. I think we're all better off. So
0: contrary to popular corporate belief, those things are not mutually exclusive, having measurement as well as having, you know, that unrestricted. That's right. You heard it here first, people, on Cause Talk Radio. Debbie Thomas <laughs> says unrestricted funding is the way to go.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think these are such interesting trends. And one in particular that I think we've seen talked about more and more is this cross-sector collaboration, which is, I think, typically between different corporations. But have you seen any unique or particularly inspiring ways that corporate and nonprofit sectors are coming together to solve important challenges that's kind of new since the pandemic hit or some that maybe have pivoted? Since then,
2: yeah, I think probably the the best example of this is, um, you know, even looking across sectors at the nonprofit and the education space. Um, the Boys and Girls Clubs of America is an excellent example of you know an after-school program model that is really looking at ways that they can help parents um, not miss out on virtual school for their children. Right. Um, so, how can we give those kids a place where they can go and? Uh, go to school, virtual school, uh, in quotes, of course, um, in a safe way while parents may be out of the house or at work or not able to supervise. Um, We're also seeing things like mentorship programs like um, Big Brothers Big Sisters um, that have moved completely virtual but are still there to support communities in different ways. And a lot of corporations have leaned into that kind of virtual volunteerism. Um, We've also taken a look um, at Uh, folks within the same sector. So, for example, in Purposeful Pivots, which was a really neat um, partnership that we had with you all to look at ways that um, corporations and others were pivoting, we took a look at the gaming industry and we saw that since the start of the pandemic, 48% of U.S. consumers have participated in some form of video gaming activity, which and in this incredibly competitive industry, what we saw is uh, companies like Zynga, Activision, Blizzard, Riot Games, they all sort of came together and rallied the global communities to spread the word on the World Health Organization's new health guidelines. So they, they looked at each other, they looked at their consumer base, and they said, we've got to get this word out there. And they launched something called Play Apart Together, which was an initiative that really, um, you know, looked at the global community of gamers and sort of gave them special in-game features to help them spread the word on social distancing and hand hygiene and um, how to fight COVID-19 and things like that. So this is a really good example of, I think, where, you know, uh, what we saw was uh, competitors really turning into collaborators. Um, And I think we're gonna see that more and more as 2020 approaches. There's been a lot of community-based approach to problem solving. So it's really inspiring to see, um, you know, nonprofits and business come together for things like meal delivery, for example, um, or even for uh, taking taking a look at ways that they can um, help um, solve uh, issues around homelessness and issues around, um, you know, uh, uh, um, new uh, sort of economic um, uh uh, restrictions that are being placed on, on, uh, parents who may not be able to go to work because of things like COVID. So I think there's a real, uh, opportunity for us to continue to, uh, see, uh, corporations and, uh, nonprofits specifically come together, um, to, to really, I, I think you know, collectively problem-solve. No one owns that sector anymore, right? Thankfully, yes.
0: Still a lot of work to be done. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the Purposeful purposeful Pivots white paper, Debbie, because we kind of glossed over it a little bit earlier, but that was um, something that was collaboration between Salesforce.org and Engage for Good. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes because there were some really great case studies in there and you just described one of them in the Play Apart together. So thank you for sharing that. But it's it's got some interesting pivots in there that I think we're... Uh, worth reading and knowing about. I want to ask you a little bit, obviously, your an expertise your expertise is in communication, which uh, you know you've you've done this in a lot of different organizations. But can you talk a little bit about, Debbie, how you feel marketing communications have changed when it comes to telling social impact stories? Have there been things that are working particularly well? I mean, as a communicator, you kind of look at the the world through that lens, I would imagine. So anything you've seen there that you you find interesting?
2: yeah i i that's a great question. thank you first of all. so the word of the day for twenty twenty marketing communications is it's a phrase of the day is uh digital fatigue in every way, shape or form Amen. You're, you're spending twelve <laughs> hours on this screen. you do not want to be uh you know on your phone or other screens for for uh you know for fun or for for even for reading stories or for understanding the news and the trends that are out there. So what does this mean for a marketer and a communicator? It means more mobile, more snackable content um, and really leaning into your digital properties in the best way possible. And what we realized is relevant and timely storytelling is the way to go and to do so with diverse voices. The minute that you can, I talked a little bit about sort of, you know, giving up our channels so that our community voices were on our channels and we're telling their stories and we're talking about what's important to them. The minute we were able to do that, the easier it was for our community to convene and learn best practices and, and just talk to one another. Um, probably the best, uh, that we can do with with as communicators is to convene voices and to tell a collective story the other thing that I think has really happened in in a good way in 2020 and I know that there's a lot to look back at the year and and look at the uncertainty and the struggles but uh, one of the most positive places for me has been how we've been able to humanize the data so we're really seeing that you know person in the story we're not seeing the number we're not uh looking at the cause overall or the change in policy or the curriculum or the system but we're looking at the human and we're seeing uh inequivocally how this how these changes are affecting a human being so it's really brought out the humanity and storytelling and uh, i hope that stays that's here to stay
1: I love that. And I think as you were talking about digital fatigue, not to put you on the spot too much, but it brought me back to one of the things you said earlier about building resilience and helping your employees go virtual and stay connected when that whole transition happened. And you talked about helping people stay off their screens or not being on there for 12 hours a day, which I'm sure quite a few of our listeners are probably doing. Were there specific ways at Salesforce that you encourage people to take a step back and to do something other than stare at their screen all day?
2: Well, Salesforce.org, as part of Salesforce, you know, I'm incredibly lucky to work for this incredible company that is one of the best places for a parent to work. And I'm a mom of two kids. So this has been just a remarkable opportunity to spend a lot more time with my children, a lot less travel involved. Um, And the company is also incredibly supportive through mental health initiatives. Um, This is not a place that's shy to talk about um, our... Our mental well-being, and um, Salesforce as a company has really helped us through uh, Be Well, which is a series that helps employees um, tap into um, different um, ways that we can help our- ourselves. It's a lot of tools um, and sort of a toolkit, if you will, for ways that we can practice. Um, you know, meditation, staying off screens, be active in our in our um, Personal lives um, and in our physical lives, um, and really finding ways that we can um, take walking meetings, for example, or nice. learn to, yeah, or learn to um, take a moment of gratitude and reflect on the things that we're truly grateful for, or just to be able to tell your team, today's not a great day. Let's cancel these meetings. Let's have no meeting Fridays, for example, um, and really take a moment to, uh, you know, work on the things that are important to us and just put everything in perspective. Um, so I'm really lucky to work at a place where there's a lot of open dialogue uh, about that, and a lot of understanding and compassion um, that goes with that. Um, so I think uh, I think most workplaces that have taken on this approach with virtual employees are seeing. Uh, greater productivity and are seeing uh, a sense of loyalty develop among employees that, uh, you know, this is a company that truly cares about me as much as I care about everyone else um, that I work with.
0: Those are fantastic suggestions, Debbie. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I think I'm going to implement No Meeting Friday. Allie, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with that. (laughs) <laughs> I try to keep Wednesday as my no meeting day, but as Ali it knows it work. doesn't always work out the way that I want it to. But um it's, you know, it's the thought that counts, I guess. <laughs> um well we are almost out of time, Debbie. So uh, can you pull out your crystal ball for us and maybe just quickly share a couple of social impact predition- predictions for 2021 since we have you here. Um and this has been so phenomenal to even have you on. I just I really appreciate you being here. But uh pull out your crystal ball and give us some fortune telling here for 2021. And then we're going to come back to you in 12 months and hold you to all of these predictions.
2: <laughs> well, I think the first is that this is not the last we're going to see of disruptive philanthropists like Mackenzie Scott. So you heard it yes. here first and I'm incredibly excited for the work that she's doing. Me too. Um, and that I think is really going to change philanthropy. And then I, I really wanted to go back to that notion of sort of uh, multi sector, um, sort of strange bedfellow partnerships that we're going to see. Um, And it's going to be incredibly creative uh, when when 2021 hits and these, um, you know, partnerships across all sectors, um, across swim lanes come together and everyone's going to bring their strengths to the table. It's a bit of a block party or potluck approach to change making.
0: And I'm really,
2: really digging it. And I think the best example I can give is when in technology, we always refer to open source and how important it is to create open source technology for especially for our nonprofit and education communities. And what does open source mean? It means you go in there and you take a little bit of what you need. You use those tools and you are able to reinvent um, in order to serve uh, what's meant for you the best. And so I think this is 2021. It's all about open source partnerships. So I'm excited for that.
1: This has been such a fabulous conversation. Thank you for taking the time. Where can people learn more about Salesforce.org online if they'd like to do that?
2: Well, just visit us at Salesforce.org. It's it's a fun place to be. It's a destination for all things social impact. So um, I hope you all will uh, come stay for a while
0: amazing. Debbie, thank you again so much. It's been a long time since I've known you. I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, We will put a link to that and as well as all the other, uh, the nonprofit trends reports and the education trends reports that you referenced earlier, as well as the Purposeful Pivots white paper. We'll put that all online at Engage for Good in the show notes where you can find that. And uh, thanks again for being here today. Allie, it was great having you here again. And uh, thanks for all of you listening.